What is Montrospective? It's what we say to ourselves and our attitude towards it. We repeat mantras over and over again to ourselves. If we're doing it right, they're positive, not negative. What we say affects our attitude and our point of view. We all have dreams and goals, but how many of us know where to start to make them happen? I am fascinated by everyday people who are doing extraordinary things, and I wanted to find out why and how they were able to be successful. I spent 16 years in radio, not as a DJ, but as a promotions director. I never had an interest in being front and center or putting myself out there as a personality. Fast forward to today, I have something to say and messages from incredible people to share. Simply put, I am interested. I want to know what propels everyday people to follow their dreams in the hopes that it will inspire you to do the same. We have one life to live. Let's listen, learn, and share our journey with the world. This is Montrospective. Montrospective would like to thank our sponsor. If you're looking for a one-stop shop that offers yoga, meditation, Reiki, readings, and various other classes along with being a metaphysical store, check out Mantra in Blue Springs, Missouri off 7 Highway. Also online at mantrakc.com. My guest today is a talented and accomplished artist from Australia. Her focus is wildlife art, and I promise you it will be some of the most amazing pieces you've ever seen. Her intention is to connect you to her work through the eyes of these incredible animals. Her work has been displayed in over a dozen gallery exhibitions, and she's also a professional tattoo artist. Bigger than all of her accomplishments, she is a sincere and genuine woman who I personally adore. We're going to talk about her journey to becoming an artist and what her goals are for the future. Janet Thatcher, welcome to Montrospective. Thanks for having me, Heather. How is it in Australia today? Frosty at the moment. Frosty? Yeah. So it's cold there? Yeah, yeah, we're heading to winter. Oh my gosh. See, because we're just the opposite. We're heading into summer. So I, I forget that. You're on, you know, the other side of the world. <laughs> the opposite, yeah. Our, our Christmases are like swimming pools and, and floaties. and. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds delightful. <laughs> All right, well, let's get right into it. We've actually known each other for a few months now, and it has been fascinating getting to know you. Um, your art is so special, so different, and so unique. Where did you come up with the name Liger Wolf Designs? <laughs> That's the name comes from when I was really young. I used to draw characters and things like that, and the characters that I drew weren't necessarily like a lion or a tiger. They were sort of like my favorite parts of things, and so I had to come up with a name for them for my friends. And uh, Liger Wolf, when it came up, it just kind of stuck. And then I, because I used it for everything, I used it when I was babysitting, I used it when I chewed it up. Uh, now it's just like, that's who I go by. Like if somebody yelled out Liger Wolf, I would turn around and be like, yeah. Well, it's funny. I Googled Liger Wolf and literally all, it's all you. Like that yeah. is a word you have that's created. Like, just like yeah. Montrospective, I created that word as well. So when you Google Liger Wolf, it is all you. Everything it's is all, you. That's it. And so when I've had like advice now from people mentors and things they're always like oh you've got to get rid of that name it's really weird that you've got this name that's nothing like your name I'm kind of like but I'm the only one I like you the are the only one and there's a great story behind it so again moral of the story don't listen to anybody else <laughs> I mean 
I mean, I, I, when I had one person that was like really pushing it, I was like, well, I'll just have to change my last name. I'll get it legally changed to Ligwolf. And then what are you going to do? And I want to get right into your childhood. What was your childhood like and how did that influence you becoming an artist? My childhood was pretty idyllic. Um, I was raised by a single mum. Um, and she was just really patient and kind. No matter how much trouble I got up to, she was sort of always sticking up for me, um, including uh, doing things like wanting to become an artist. She's always sort of had my back and being encouraging, which is nice. Um, but I guess what influenced me to be an artist is it's a bit of a funny story. Um, most artists have like some epiphany and it's beautiful and inspiring. Um, my sister was uh, better draw at a drawing than me. Uh, she's seven years my senior, so obviously just better at, at doodling. And my mum gave her a bigger compliment than me. And I just, I was about five and I went, that's it. I'm going to be the best artist. <laughs> that's how it started. So you're competitive then is what you're saying. <laughs> you want to be the best. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Did you start off with animals right away or is that something you graduated into as you grew up? Yeah, animals have always been a major influence in my life, even sort of disconnected from art. Um, I've worked in sort of zoos and just about everything. And, yeah, so they've just always been a part. So naturally, as I started to draw, I drew what I was interested in. And you seem to have some very specific interests. I notice you do a lot of, of tigers and wolves and, you know, animals, animals like that. Is there a reason for that? Do you have a, some sort of personal connection to those? Uh, I definitely have a personal connection in that the animals that I sort of respect and admire and I've worked with a lot, so I have personal experience with them. But I'm also with my art, I'm looking uh, at the moment it really delving into why we feel as a society, we feel so connected to them. We're so interested in them. We see ourselves reflected in them, um, particularly in their eyes. So just sort of exploring that at the moment. That's what I noticed most about your work is that with every piece, I'm immediately drawn to the eyes of that animal. It's almost like you can look into their soul and, you know, the particular drawing that you're looking at, it's, it's not like a real tangible creature, but it feels like it is. It feels like you're actually almost seeing a reflection of yourself to some extent. That may be a little deep, but that's, that's what it's done for me. There's quite a few pieces that um, you've worked really diligently on the eyes. I mean, I'm looking one right now in the background that I know you've been working on uh, for a while now, and you've put so much detail into it. Um, is that something you're getting from your mind or is that something that you're looking at an animal and kind of mimicking what, you know, what that eye looks like? How do you come to that determination? It's a little bit of both. So I do start off with some reference images, um, usually more than one, I'll have like six or seven. And then from there, obviously with photos, there's some details that you're just not gonna get. But I sort of looked into what makes up an eye anatomically and I've just sort of added little details and maybe some reflections and different things like little tricks to make them really pop. Now I've got to imagine when you started off as a child, you weren't spectacular yet, you know, unless, you know, you're super special and <laughs> I don't know it, but I'm guessing you really had to draw a lot to hone your talent. Did you also go to art school? Never went to art school. I did art school uh, 
You never yeah. went to art school. Subject. No, no, I never went to art school. Wow. I, do, I just practiced. My mom was a big advocate for just draw every day. And I would go to her and be like, I hate it. I, I can't draw. I'm terrible. I want to stop. And she'd be like, just one more. Here we are. <laughs> that is really impressive. That's even more impressive now that I know that. Because um, your, your work tends to look very uh, realistic, very lifelike. Um, was that, is that your main goal? Is that your, always your intention? Um, what style would you consider yourself? So I usually label it as hyper-realistic, which is all obviously up for debate, whether you want to say it's that realistic or not. Yeah, I, when I was young, I read a magazine about an artist who was really good at realism and he could do it from memory, which just blew me away. And so that's always in the back of my mind. I mean, to reach that level of achievement where you can just be like, yeah, I'll do it today. Um, but I also, I try and add different things on a microscopic level so you don't notice it. It still looks like a photo, but I make all these little changes and I weave them in, um, which I guess is just my artistic side being like, oh, I'll just change this. So when did people start noticing your work? You know, when did you start sharing it with other people and other people said to you, wow, you've really got something here? I mean, I always had people that would compliment me from when I was young and be like, oh, yeah, you know, you should keep practicing and that sort of. I guess as a young adult, um, I got asked to tutor um, children art and it just sort of started there with my career. Wow, so you were even influencing young people like you, you know, with art and everything. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, I was still in school and sort of, <laughs> you know, after school go and teach kids how to draw and things like that. So when you started becoming an adult, did you always look at this as a hobby or was it something you always wanted to turn into some sort of professional business? I think at the start I definitely looked at it like a hobby because – I thought I would become like a zoologist or like David Ad Attenborough, you know, like something amazing. <laughs> and it was only my mum sort of being like, remember the drawing, <laughs> you should be getting into that. And uh, when I went through a really tough time in my life, I sort of thought, why not? What have I got to lose? That is exactly it. What do you have to lose? So at that point, were you trying to have your work displayed places or were you trying to sell it or what was your focus early on? I was really lucky in that I was entering a competition. My landlord had sent me a brochure. He'd seen my artwork on his walls and he was like, hey, why don't you enter this competition? And I took my artwork to be framed and the framers was attached to a gallery and I said, you know, what does someone have to do to get into this gallery? And they said, bring some more pieces in. So two weeks later, I turned up with a whole lot more artwork. And they'd said, maybe you could be part of an exhibition. But when they said, saw my work, they said, we changed our mind. You're going to have a solo exhibition. So, Well, yeah, you just said you brought in a lot of artwork. How, your, your pieces are not small by any stretch of the imagination. How long does it take you to complete one? Well, something like the one that's behind me can take thousands of hours fall up like they can be super intense uh but anywhere from about 30 hours i'd say they start it 
So do you have carpal tunnel syndrome now as well? Like how are your hands and wrists doing? <laughs> I do the tattooing as well. So my poor little arms like often like bandaged up in between so I don't hurt it. Well, I'll tell you, it is fascinating to watch you. You've done some Instagram lives where people can come on and ask you questions um, and you're, you're drawing and you're sketching during that time. And there's something so soothing and calming about watching somebody do that and watching all these colors and this image come to life. Does it do the same for you when you're doing it or are you so focused on the work? You know, are you enjoying it? Absolutely. It's Does it give you the same joy that it gives other people to watch you do something like that? Yeah. It's almost like meditation. So it's definitely, it de-stresses, feels enjoyable. Um, the funny thing is though, I like I wear the little Fitbit watches and my heart rate goes up when I draw, but I don't feel like it. I feel the opposite. So Is it just from excitement you think? You're just, you know. I don't know. Like I, re I must really get a lot out of it because it registers as a workout. So. Well, that's amazing. Well, you've made a lot of progress on that eye from the last time I saw it. It looks beautiful. So congratulations on that. So you got some of your work displayed and it's out there for the world to see. I got to imagine because not everybody is super happy and positive that you probably have received some criticism, oh, yeah. you know, from other artists. How do you deal with things like that? At first, I used to reply back to everybody and try and justify myself. And eventually realized that that's a bit of a losing battle because there's always going to be a bigger fish. There's always going to be somebody that doesn't like what you do. So you just have to really learn to ignore them as hard as it is not to reply. Um, I've had some weird comments on my work before. Um, you know, people will come onto your YouTube channel and they'll give you thumbs down. But like, you just have to pretend it's not there. Focus on the people that are supporting you. And I mean, at the end of the day, the best revenge is success. Boy, that's a true statement. And that's amazing advice for any facet of someone's life, because no matter what an individual does, there's a, there's a group of people out there that's going to have something to say about it. And at the end of the day, if you're happy with what you're producing and what you're putting out there, it's really all that matters. That's right. And I mean, yeah. it definitely irritates them when you're like, that's great advice. Thanks for that. And just move. Well, you often kind of wonder why people don't offer advice instead of the criticism and saying, hey, I noticed you did this a particular way. Here's something I might have done, you know, and come at it from that standpoint rather than you suck, you're horrible, you know, you shouldn't be an artist. What are you trying to do? Like how anybody can criticize your work is beyond me, but I'm not an artist. I, I don't have that eye. I, I look at something and I see, wow, that is beautiful. Um, but I don't look at it and say, oh, she used the wrong brush stroke or, you know, whatever. But I'm sure you deal with people that are like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even when I was in primary school, my teacher told me never to become an artist. I was no good at it. So it would have been really easy to just give in to that negativity and be like, oh, well, you know. Please tell me you sent her a signed piece or something like that, because that is insane to me. I've actually heard that from a lot of people lately, is that there was some adult in their past that told them they should not do something that they loved. And if they had followed that advice, if they had taken that to heart, they would not have the success they have today. And that just amazes me. So I'm happy you didn't follow that advice. I'm happy your mom was there to keep pushing you forward. But do you know if this teacher saw what you've done? Um, funny thing is when I went and started doing uh, art classes for children, 
one of the classrooms that I taught in turned out to be my old classroom and she was still there. Her attitude had completely changed. So I just left it as is. I didn't say anything nasty or anything like that. You were the bigger person. I think your artwork spoke for itself. So <laughs> good on you. <laughs> you know, ta-da. Yeah. Well, um, what continues to inspire you? Life inspires me. I mean, that sounds really corny, but I was sort of really lucky to be raised by a mum who brought me up to be really conscious of what was happening around me in the now. And so when I go outside and I, like it sounds strange, but I'll see pebbles and I'll think, wow, look at the way the light plays on those, or I'll see the dew on the grass. And that's inspiration for me. That always makes me, you know, hungry to go back to the studio and try something new. That is very deep, Janet. <laughs> that is very deep, but, but it's true. It's good that you are seeing the beauty in everything. Somebody might look at that and not take a second glance, whereas you see, you know, beauty and inspiration in it. So that means you're a very evolved person. Congratulations. <laughs> I mean, I just, the way I look at it is that's the positive from being an artist. That's the gift that you get is that you're seeing beauty that you might not have seen before. Being an artist is really about inspiration. So you start finding it everywhere. Even if you're an abstract artist, it might be colors that inspire you or you know shapes doesn't really matter but you'll see them everywhere and it, it's such an amazing thing in your life that you have this especially with everything that's going on at the moment you're obviously very accomplished already but how do you continue to grow as an artist do you challenge yourself with other methods and things like that or do you stick to what you know and feel you're good at yeah, I'm definitely one of those people that will, you know, walk through the markets and see all these different projects and be like, oh, I could do that. I never buy anything. I go home and I try and do it myself. And then that might apply to my artwork that I that I do do, you know, like it. Um, for example, I've experimented with different sort of lacquers and things on the paper I use, which wasn't really done before, but I've had some success with so. Um, it's a bit of an ongoing experiment. Well, that's exciting. That's good. It means, again, you're continuing to grow and kind of push the boundaries of of what you can do. And I know you've got kiddos. Are they showing artistic tendency, tendencies as well? Do they enjoy to draw and paint and things like that? Yeah, they're very different in their approaches. One's really emotional and she's all about color and dynamics. And Is she a teenager? <laughs> She is a teenager. Um, yeah, definitely coincides. But she's always been a little bit dramatic and, you know, she's got the flair for that. So it shows in her work. And then my youngest one uh, is almost exactly the same as me. So when I was really tiny, what my mother noticed was the first thing I drew was circles, tiny circles. I'd just fill a page. And I was really blown away that the first thing that my daughter drew was tiny circles that would fill a page. It's just really strange. But I think all children are kind of artists. Like you can pick that up in them, you know, what sort of area that they're interested in. It's about encouraging them to continue. What do they think of your work? Do they look at mom and think, okay, mom is really super cool? Or is it, oh, mom, you're drawing again? I mean, yeah, you know. it's a mixed bag. Uh, like my youngest said to me the other day, she was like, wow, I'm drawing so fast. I mean, yours takes like 30, 100 hours and mine's like nearly finished. 
Um, so, well, there's that competitive streak again. She gets that from you, so you can't blame anybody but yourself. Sometimes I'm cool. I think the tattoo artist is probably more the cool thing at the moment. For them to yeah, talk. let's talk about that for a minute. Um, when did you decide to become a tattoo artist? I've been doing it for about three years. Yeah, I just, like, I'd always appreciated it. You know, you watch those shows on late night TV, you know, Ink Masters and all that sort of stuff. And I saw them doing realism and I was like, oh, wow, you know, like, I could do that. I want to have a go. And, uh, like, two o'clock in the morning one day, I emailed a tattoo studio being like, hey, you know, how about an apprenticeship? And I got a call at, like, 9 a.m. the next morning. Wow. I mean, that's obviously meant to be. Yeah, it was a bit bad because I had been up to, like, four o'clock drawing so I'd forgotten what I'd done the night before so I'm so like who is this what but so I did you did the so you did the apprenticeship and do you also focus mostly on animals or do you do a little bit of everything I mean I do a bit of everything but definitely you know like I love to have pieces that come in with like people's pets or um, some exotic wildlife or something like that that's pretty exciting when someone comes in I am going to have to make a special trip to Australia so you can do a portrait of my dog on me or a paw at the very least, something. I want something of, of my, my little Cooper that I adore. So, yeah, I mean, just seeing your work, I know you would do an amazing, incredible tattoo. So that will be my husband and I's goal is to get to Australia just to get a tattoo from you at the very least. <laughs> really nice that I have people now travel from, like, overseas or interstate to come and get tattoos or come and see an art exhibition like there's nothing really more rewarding than that I think from clients you know I I've done portraits for people for their pets or for their children that have passed away and it's just an incredible experience to be part of that well you're giving them an incredible gift I mean you're sharing your art with them but in return they're getting something that they get to love forever so you know that's that's really special that you do talked about exhibitions again and I kind of wanted to get back to you know that again is where you're putting yourself out there you're putting your work out there for people to decide whether they like it or not do you get butterflies when you do that are you very choosy about the pieces that you include in the exhibition like what's your what's your process when You've signed up and you're like, okay, I'm accepted. I'm, I'm going to be displaying my artwork. Now what? I usually don't give myself enough time to start with. So I'm in a massive panic, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do a hundred pieces. I said I would do in six months and it's, you know, usually would take me years to do. Um, so I've sort of become a hermit and just draw, draw, draw. And then of course you get to the day and you're like, oh no, I haven't booked a hairdresser. I, I don't have any makeup. You know, what am I going <laughs> to uh, But it's, even when you sort of get people, like there are people that will look at my art in an exhibition and go, ah, oh, but it's kind of like a photo and not be that impressed. It's still, again, incredible because you're connecting directly with the people that are looking at your art, which often as an artist, you miss out on. Your work's in a gallery, you're not there. So on opening night, it's, it's great to actually get some one-on-one -on -one time with people. How often do you get requests for commissioned pieces? Does it happen quite often? Yeah, I'd say weekly I get commission requests. Oh, my uh, goodness. There's only so much I can do, so people will get knocked back. Uh, my work isn't the cheapest that's out there, so that's another thing for people to consider when they're contacting me for 
commissions, but the way I look at it, like I, I really love doing commissions and I love working with people, but at the end of the day, I'm quite happy to be doing this as well. So, mm -hmm. um, what are your long-term dreams and goals for your art? I know that we previously have talked about you getting over here to the States and getting your work displayed in galleries over here. Where are you at with all of that? And what do you see for your future? Ideally, I want to travel a lot. Uh, so obviously US is like first on my list. So I want to get over there and see you guys over there and come and check it all out. But I want to sort of travel globally. I want to cover everywhere where there are species that uh, need a voice. So I sort of grew up with, you know, Jane Goodall and David Annaburn and these, you know, mega houses of people about conservation and things. And what they did is they brought you into the animals' lives on an intimate level, and that's kind of what I do. So I would like to get out there, travel, and do the same thing with my art. Is there an animal that you're thinking about next that you're going to focus on? Uh, I've always, like... 20 animals ahead of where I can actually be physically. So uh, there's a lot. Like uh, I've got wolves planned, uh, cheetahs are another one. Um, I'd like to do some more jaguars. It's not something you see sort of in artwork quite as common as tigers and lions and that sort of thing. Um, and just sort of anything that, like I said, is endangered needs a bit of attention and focus because that's what you, the art can do is it can make people care. I mean, you protect what you love. So by creating this affinity for people, they're going to go out, they're going to do more for the, the species as a whole. I love that. Protect what you love. I mean, again, that's something that transcends to all parts of your life. So um, that that's beautiful that, that that's what you chose to kind of describe it as. Yeah. I think that's sort of, that's the core message I think with my artwork is, you know, people are going to, um, you know, when you're a kid and you see like this cool animal and you're suddenly attached to them and you're like, I want to be that animal. I'm like that animal, you know, like uh, people will say, you know, I'm loyal like a wolf or, or something like that. And they'll hang on to it. And then all of a sudden, they're reading about them, researching them, seeing the plight, making an effort. So if I can do that for everybody, I mean, imagine the impact. That is actually funny that you said that because that's how I've always felt about sharks. When I was younger, I wanted to be a marine biologist and I was obsessed with learning about all sorts of animals, but sharks um, were of particular interest to me because they were dominant and they don't stop swimming and they're kind of viewed as a predator, which I don't want to say that I'm viewed as a predator, <laughs> but there's something about the strength that comes with um, a shark. And that's what I always attributed myself to. So my first tattoo I ever got was a shark's tooth because of that reason. It was a reminder to me of who I am and who I want to continue to be. So you know, I'm glad that that's what your artwork represents to other people as well. So I think with something like that, you know, if you walked into a gallery and you saw this beautiful rendition of a shark, that's going to feel to you sort of above other things. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it's jaguars. Jaguars are my animal. Um, they always have been. 
And yeah, so when I see something like that, I know I form an instant connection. You know, if I watch it on TV, you're walking, watching a documentary and you're like, oh yeah, that's just like me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I watch Shark Week every single year and, you know, again, it's, it's more of just the fascination of these animals that have been on this planet forever. And I don't know, again, sometimes it's unspoken. Sometimes I don't even understand why I'm connected, um, but it's strong. And I will do exactly what you said. I dive in, I study, I watch every documentary out there um, just because, I don't know, it's something that makes me happy. And so, yes, every time I go to a zoo or anywhere, if there's anything shark related, I'm probably going to buy it. So <laughs> if you start doing sharks, let me know. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll line my house with official Janet Thatcher shark paintings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, see, like, that's, uh, that's something that I would like to do in the future is like, actually go in the cages and get some photography done and then have some reference material to then go on and paint some sharks. Please invite me to come along. I will be right there with you. <laughs> right. When you come to Australia, I know a guy. We'll do it. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, this is, this is turning out great. I'm sure my husband will be thrilled that I'm going to be jumping in a shark cage with you, but it's fine. It's fine. I mean, we're not doing that crazy diving with the sharks. Have you seen the ones where people actually just swim alongside them? Oh, yes. I have a friend who does that. I have a friend who um, does a lot of scuba diving with... Um, a group of people who used to have a TV show as well. And they, I've seen pictures of him. He went to the Great Barrier Reef, actually. And there's him sitting on the bottom of the ocean floor with sharks swimming all around him. And he's touching them and hitting their nose away and everything. And while I got super excited to see that, at the age I am now, I've developed anxiety and things of that nature. And I'm like, can I really sit on the ocean floor with sharks just swimming around me and actually feel okay i think i might need the cage <laughs> i really do cage <laughs> yeah 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 i think i think i need that i really do well what advice would you give aspiring artists no matter what age they are you know people you know as kids maybe had that person that you had tell them not to follow that dream or goal that they were never going to be good at and they listen to it but it's still pulls at them as adults. So what would, what advice would you give younger people and what advice would you give adults about moving forward with becoming an artist and, and how to get that going? I think my number one piece of advice is just to keep going. Don't stop. As a professional artist, it's sort of, it's not the happiest of things, but I would say that there are some fantastic artists out there who have got zero exposure and have given up and quit but they're amazing. So the people that are going to be standing at the end of the day aren't the best necessarily, but they're the most determined. So don't stop. Don't let anything stop you. If it's what you want to do, just keep drawing. Draw every day. Like my mother said, you'll only improve. You've got nothing to lose by doing it. I mean, you don't have to quit your job to draw. You can spend 20 minutes every day. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. And I, I think people should just start. I mean, I know tons of people that want to be writers. They've had this great book idea for years and they've never done anything with it. And that advice is perfect. Just work on it 20 minutes a day, whether it's first thing when you get up in the morning or at night after you get home from your day job, whatever, just, just put in the work for it. When you started 
developing your pieces as an artist. And like you said, you're putting tons of hours and tons of time. I mean, there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that goes into your work. How did you start determining what to price your pieces at? Because like you just said, you're not the cheapest artist in the world, but you know, art is subjective. And so if there's an audience out there of, you know, nature lovers that want these, these pictures, how did you start determining what your art was worth? So in the beginning, you know, it just used to be like, you know, oh, $50 just so you were getting something come in and you felt validated that people would pay that for your artwork. But as I progressed and people started wanting to buy my work, I just wanted to work out sort of what I was getting paid per hour. So at the price point that my paintings are now, uh, for the big ones, it only works out about $6 an hour. So obviously I don't really want to go any cheaper than that. you got to see your self-worth, I think, in your work. So that's sort of, I decided that I was worth that $6. I was worth my, you know, my materials being covered. And that's what I was going to charge. I mean, I was lucky that I had that gallery right from the beginning as well. Not that long after that, I ended up on TV. And so that sort of gave me a little bit of a boost and a bit of a push to keep, you know, pursuing where I should be as opposed to where I, I thought I might be. How did you end up on TV? Uh, I, again, I just sort of did one of those late night random messages. Oh. And uh, yeah, I was just like, hey, I've seen that you've got a show about artists. How do you feel about me? And um, they wrote straight back and they were like, we really love your work. We've had a look. Um, if you want to go ahead, let us know. So, so you've all- always been very bold about reaching out and putting yourself out there. Was that a trait you just had from growing up or is that something you kind of had to, to build up, you know, I mean, some bravery to do? <laughs> I've always been, you know, pretty bold and generally like with my language I'm sort of an extrovert and I'll throw myself out there but I hit a real low point um, I ended up you know pretty much homeless in the car with the newborn baby um, my partner was unwell and when my marriage dissolved I was just like you know I've got nothing to lose if I say nothing I'll never get anywhere so I'm going to invest a hundred percent in myself I'm going to do this I'm just going to go up to someone and say, how about it? It doesn't have to be perfect. You know, at least I've said it. If they say no, oh, well, I'll ask another person. Do you think that would have been any different had you not had a child at the time that depended on you? Yeah, probably. I I just probably wouldn't have been as determined to succeed because when you've got a child, you've got a mouth to feed, you've got someone to care for. You can't sort of just put it off for another day. You know, when you're young, you're kind of like, there's that resistance always in your life. Like, oh, I could do it today, but maybe I'll do it tomorrow because today I'll go shopping. Have you had um, anybody famous purchase one of your prints yet? Not that I know of. (laughs) I mean, I'm pretty careful. Like, I I don't want to put myself in people's lives too much because they're purchasing the artwork. They're not necessarily wanting a whole lot of attention but I haven't had anybody that I know of purchase my work. Certainly I've had celebrities comment on my work though. So that's nice. So what is success defined as for you? Or when will you feel like you've succeeded or have you already reached that point? 
I guess there's small successes in everything. So when I do a commission for somebody and that person is emotionally moved, that's a success. When I get to a point where my artwork impacts in a major way, like if I can work towards, you know, saving a species, I mean, obviously that would be success. To me, it's about, you know, that real end goal, like how are you affecting the world? What are you leaving behind for people? That says so much about who you are because some people might have said to have my work hanging in famous galleries worldwide. You know, I, I want to be in museums and things of that nature. And well, you want to help other people. Yeah, yeah. Ideally, I mean, I think when you leave this world, it's not about how much money you had or what houses you had. It's about how you've impacted others. Yes, I completely agree. I mean, the okay. famous things would be nice. I mean, you know, put my artwork in great galleries. and. Well, we're going to work on that when you get over here. We've talked about that, that when you get to the States, I'm going to be your PR person, and, and we're going we're gonna to get your work displayed all over the place because it's something that people need to see and need to enjoy, and we're definitely going to tell people where they can go. Uh, to check out your work um, and kind of get to know you a little bit better. So, well, I've got a lot, of, uh, a lot of fan base over in the U.S. So I would like to get over and sort of actually be able to be one-on-one, -on -one, face to face with them. So that would be fantastic. That's awesome. Um, what else do you want people to know about your art or about their journey to become an artist? Any parting words of wisdom? I guess something that I feel pretty passionate about is that when you say you want to be an artist, as we talked about earlier, you're going to be a lot of resistance from people. And I don't think that's necessarily fair. I think we're sort of society trains us to think of artists and actors and, and everybody in that creative field as sort of lesser than, and that's not necessarily uh, a fair thing in that, you know, they've, they've been doing studies on artists and their brains and, you know, an artist can have a lot more grey and white matter in their frontal lobe. So the brain is actually different, whether that happens environment-wise or it's something that you're born with. I mean, if you're born with it, how can we as a society be like, no, you go over and sit in that corner. You're not good enough to join the rest of us. You're not going to be respected, you know. I feel that artists should be proud. You should be proud of who you are. You're creative that's fantastic. It's a gift and it should be celebrated. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Beautifully said. All right. Well, we are going to test your skills right now, Miss Janet. <laughs> this is my segment called Find Your Montrospective. That means that we allow outside events to affect our mood. You know, I've mentioned in the previous episode that when you get stuck in traffic or somebody cuts you off, um, you immediately get angry or, or whatever. You could be in a completely great mood and it's ruined. And I really want to challenge people to start reprogramming their brains when anything unexpected or negative happens um, to not allow that negativity to happen. So this is your find your retrospective challenge. You're at a restaurant with some friends and the waitress brings you the wrong order. Find your retrospective. Well, I mean, that's an obvious uh, opportunity to try something new. I mean, you could try the dish. I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but I tend to order the same thing every time I go out, no matter where I go out. It's always the same thing. So if they bring you something different, 
you could try something new or if you want to return it, if it's something that you don't want to eat, strike up a conversation with the waitress, you know, get to connect with another person. That is incredibly positive. That is exactly what I'm talking about because so many people get to the anger point right away of this is not what I ordered and they're taking it out on the person that, you know, delivered the food. And what you just said is I could choose to enjoy it or I could strike up a conversation with the waitress and, or the waiter and, and, you know, get it rectified that way. And, you know, that's what I want more people to think about and do instead of being so quick to get angry and because that could ruin your entire day. You can let one silly exchange with another person or something you do um, ruin your vibe. I yeah. was actually in a bad car accident when I was young because the driver that I was with was in a bad mood and then made a bad judgment on what they were doing. It impacted, impacted us that greatly, sort of rode off both cars. Like it was a terrible accident. That sort of teaches us moments like that you know, don't let your mood affect you like that. Find the silver lining 100% behind. Well, and you could have chosen to be very bitter about that too. Yeah. I mean, I was probably a little bit annoyed at the time, but, you know, find the bright side um, in everything that you do. It's You can't control what other people do, but you can control how you react to it. Absolutely. All right. Final question for you. Okay. What mantra do you say to yourself to keep yourself going? Uh, I've actually got part of it tattooed on my leg. Faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. Oh, where's that from? From the Bible, actually. Is it? Okay. I mean, it's probably in my mum's words. Like, she used to just tell me things like that all the time. But, yeah, have faith in yourself. Invest in yourself. Fantastic final advice from Janet. Uh, Janet, thank you for talking to me today. Your talent is impressive, and I can't wait to see your work in galleries here in the States very soon. Um, you can see Janet's work on LigerWolfDesigns.com and at LigerWolf on Instagram. I'll be linking all of those on my website as well as social media. I encourage all of you guys to go check out her work and save your pennies and buy some pieces from her. It will be money well spent. So thanks for listening, everybody, and I will talk to you again soon. Remember, your thoughts become your reality. You have all you need to begin to make your dreams come true. Dream it, believe it, manifest it. Have a great week and I'll talk to you again soon.